Hey guys, it's Ray here. I just wanted to give you a heads up that the audio on this episode is a little messed up in some places, but it's not that bad and it's full of really great information. So I hope you still listen and I'm sorry and will do better. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Let's Make Some Shit. As always, I am your host, Ray, and I'm here joined with my lovely, smart co-host, Residence. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you today, Ray? I'm doing pretty good myself. Pretty good myself. Um, so today we're going to be talking about migraines and headaches um, and when I first started learning herbalism, this was definitely one of the big issues for me that I was trying to tackle and deal with. Um, I know I've shared about my experience kind of briefly in other episodes or touched on it, and I'll um, probably talk about it a little more in detail and regarding some of the areas, um, you know, what, what they prescribe me and why they're so bad and what they're gonna, um, use those and then um, we'll wrap up with some solutions and residents is going to talk about some of the herbs um, that can be used for headaches and migraines. Um, so I'm sure everybody listening has probably, you know, had a headache of some sort um, throughout their life or maybe you suffer from migraines. Um, and I feel like these last two years, or, or even more maybe, but just kind of noticed an uptick in people that are here from people that suffer from migraines and headaches. And um, I don't know, I just thought that was kind of interesting to me. And as we go, we'll talk about some of the different kinds of headaches and, you know, why that might be. Um, but uh, a migraine is basically a, like a headache disorder involving recurrent attacks of moderate to severe head pain, usually throbbing, often on one side of the head. And um, some things that cause them are um, a stress and a lack of sleep. And like those two are kind of can be like a vicious cycle. Um, um, it, sometimes they're triggered by strong odors and smells and bright, disturbing lights and sound, uh, hormone changes. And I would add diet, too. I think if you're eating like crap, you know, it's probably going to feel it, you know, more likely to get headaches. Um, and so when I... Okay, I'll tell you a story. But the first headache that I remember ever getting um, was I was used to swim on a swim team. I don't know, maybe like sixth grade, seventh grade around that time. And I was getting ready for my very first meet. And I remember being like so anxious and nervous, you know, because there's like crowds of people there and, you know, a bunch of people from different schools and everything. And, you know, you have to wear a swim cap. And we didn't always wear them during practice. So I got ready way early, you know, before my start time and put my swim cap on and maybe like five, ten minutes before I was supposed to start, like my head just started hurting like so bad 
and I didn't know why, you know, and I remember like talking to the coach or my parents or whoever, you know, I was like, I don't think I can swim. So I um, bowed out of the race and took my swim cap off and it was just like relief, which I mean, I guess I don't know if that was considered a headache, but just like that head pain, you know, and um, like my mom and my dad both suffer from migraines. Um, My mom gets them worse. I mean, but she'll be laid up for days uh, you know, sick and in bed and everything. And I don't know when I started getting headaches. Um, as an addict, I wasn't very in tune, you know, with my body or taking care of my body. So it's hard to really say if it was necessarily a problem, you know, all that was going on. But I definitely say these last few years, it's been worse. And um, I was starting to get them, um, you know, more than half of the days of the week and it'd be at certain times and everything, but it was definitely becoming an issue. You know, it was impeding on me being able to get things done and focus at work. So I went in to see my primary care doctor and she was an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) And anyway, and this was all kind of about the same time I was starting to lose faith in institutions, you know, like that and their ability to actually, you know, treat anything. But she recommended I go to a neurologist. Oh, okay. Let me back up. So <laughs> she's the one who prescribed um, Topamax. And I'll go into that a little bit more later. But like I started noticing like side effects right away. And, um, oh my goodness, you know, like, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but a lot of no, those prescription drugs, like the side effects they tell you are worse than the problem that you're trying to deal with initially. And then, oh man, sorry. Like the psych no, ones, okay. mm-hmm. the, the psych ones and the side effects for those are like suicidal ideation, suicidal tendencies. And I'm just like, really? That's what oh, yeah. people are trying to get rid of. Oh yeah, just wait till we get to the side effects. Um, okay, but okay. I, I was well. I was over the course tried two different medications, and they were both like different types, you know. And um, so anyway, the Topamax, I started like having problems right away, and maybe only took it for like two months before I like had done enough research and decided that that wasn't um, what was best for me and that she should never prescribe to me in the first place. Okay. Well, I'll just talk about that now. So, um, the Topamax is a generic for topiramate and it is an anti-convulsive and it's used as a preventative and both the kinds that I was given were used as preventative, but, um, you know, there are also different medications that treat it. Um, but the Tobamax will not actually treat it. Um, but here, here's the side effects. Okay. You starts with the, you know, common ones, tiredness, drowsiness, dizziness, loss of coordination, tingling of the hands and feet, loss of appetite, bad taste in mouth, diarrhea, and weight loss. And mental effects, side effects, confusion, slowed thinking, trouble concentrating or paying attention, nervousness, memory problems, speech and language problems. And then you get to the serious side effects, 
uh, kidney stones, rapid breathing, heart problems, bone pain, broken bones. Like, what the fuck? Broken bones, loss of consciousness, unusual bleeding or bruising. And then rarely an eye problem, which could uh, develop and if left untreated causes permanent blindness. And then it went on for like a few more pages of precautions and stuff. And shit. And like, I would rather have a headache than permanent blindness. Yes. And not only that, but it's like, if you decide you want to stop taking it, you have to wean off of it and like do it under (laughs) professional supervision. Sorry, my dogs are going. (laughs) Hi, Marty. Um, (laughs) Dennis is being grumpy too. Um, But it's at the end, then if you do just decide to like quit taking it cold turkey, you could go into psychosis. And like I was very honest with my doctor, you know, about my addiction and, um, you know, depression and anxiety issues, you know. And then so after I did this research, I was kind of like, you know, like, what the fuck? Like, why did she prescribe this to me? Like, no thought put into it. You yeah, know? like they don't even consider your medical history when they prescribe you medications. They're just like, this is what works for other people. Let me give it to this person. Right. And then, and then you have to figure out later that that wasn't appropriate for you. Like, uh-huh. That happens so often. Yep. So she recommended that I go see a neurologist. Um, so I went see a neurologist. And you think, you know, you're going to see a specialist that... I don't know. I tend to have more faith in a specialist right, yeah. in a well, primary care. The neurologist has studied for this specific issue, and mm-hmm. right, they should know better. And so he um, prescribed amitriptyline, and this is also a preventative, and it's a tricyclic antidepressant with side of sedative effects, and it's primarily used for depression but it also is prescribed for like off-label things and migraines is one of them and I'd asked the neurologist you know some of these concerns that I had you know if I chose to stop taking it you know am I going to go through withdrawals and everything and he assured me no and um I actually, there. I'll go over the the side effects and everything for this one. And I actually didn't have too many problems with this one per se. And I guess when it's prescribed for migraines, it's um, in a low dose. Um, but again, this is that time where I was kind of starting to, you know, lose trust in them and everything. And I was also starting to learn about herbalism. This is when I was kind of like trying to see, like, okay, maybe I can heal myself with some plants, you know, and kind of just decided. I, you know, I couldn't really tell if it was working or if other changes in my life was helping more, you know, and right. I just, so then when I did, again, so I, I trusted the doctor, and again, I should have this information myself, but when you're sitting there, you know, for the day of the office visit, you know, it's like, okay, hold on, doctor, let me spend a half, half an hour on my phone real quick, you know, right. but anyway, I, I should have, I should have, but um, anyway, so let me read you these side effects, Um in the the when I was studying, also it did say that you can't actually have withdrawal symptoms, um, but I don't know if maybe because I was in such a low dose, you know, I actually didn't experience anything like that, or I might not have been on it long enough either. Um, but the common side effects are constipation and diarrhea, or diarrhea, nausea, vomiting, upset stomach, mouth pain, unusual taste, black tongue, appetite, 
weight changes, urinating less than usual, itching or rash, breast swelling, decreased sex drive. And then the serious side are blood clot, unusual thoughts and behaviors, lightheadedness, chest pain, pressure and spreading, pounding heartbeat, confusion, hallucinization, seizures, painful or difficult urination, severe constipation, easy bruising, unusual bleeding, fever, chills, sore throat, and mouth sores. Jesus fucking Christ. I know, right? I know. So... I mean, I know when you see these commercials on TV for all these drugs and they kind of spit them out real fast. I mean, it's just like with everything. Like, why would anybody want to take this garbage? Um, right. I'm Yeah, for real. If I'm going to have constipation and slash or diarrhea every day and I might get a migraine, I might I might want to take my chances with the migraine after like 30 days of diarrhea. I don't know. Yes, exactly. Oh, my gosh. Um, and so, like, if you go in, um, I don't know if either of these necessarily fall into these uh, boxes or whatever, but from doing the research for this episode, what the pharmacological solution usually is, and I think this is actually for treating the onset of a migraine, is um, analgesics or pain meds, like um, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, um, you know, like aspirin. And um, triptans and medicine combinations between the two with sometimes an antiemetic because oftentimes people with migraines experience nausea and vomiting. And that is something that I would suffer from a lot of times. It'd make me really nauseous. Um, And then I didn't read too much about it, but I know people use Botox, you know, to treat migraines and that just seems like such a drastic measure to do also that you know could end up with so many complications um but um let's see and as far as like the analgesics go it says that they try to steer away from opiates but i mean i feel like i've known people have been prescribed opiates but i mean that's a whole another slew of shit i have a family member who suffers from migraines and um this person is routinely prescribed opiates to deal with the pain from the migraines and also will be out of work for days and days at a time because of the severity of the migraines. Yeah, my mom too, like I said, she'll be down for like three days all to like bring herself, you know, and everything. And so I never got them that bad, but um, when I go over the different types of headaches later, a little later, there um, there's some like kind of criteria for deciding whether you have a migraine and need to treat it as such or um, some different kinds of headaches. But I want to mention here too, I thought this was kind of interesting. Um, but so they give you antiemetics for the, for the nausea and like two common ones given are metoclopramide and domperidone. Um, and these also help the body absorb the analgesics. That second and, one sounds like a, a liquor, like something fancy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so the side effects, the, the, the metoclopramide has side effects like Parkinson's disease, so it should be avoided in children and young adults. Um, it's just more garbage. Like, why would you want to um, chance that? That actually isn't what I was talking about. No, I came across something. Uh, there's a type of drug called erga. 
Oh, did I write that down? Erga, Ergamot, Erga. Sorry, my notes are kind of all over the place. But it's a drug that's actually synthesized from a fungi, the ergot fungi. And I just kind of thought that maybe you might find it interesting. Yeah, I'm going to see if I can find it up. Ergot fungi drugs. Let's see. Ergot alkaloids, alpha blockers that cause direct smooth muscle contractions. No. Not that. It's okay if I come across it again. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. You know, it's one of those things that Big Pharma sees happening and acting in nature. And then they're like, oh, yeah, we got to capitalize on that. Yeah, I wrote <laughs> down in where my other headache stuff is. So, um, so the important part when you're trying to... Oh, here it is. Oh, here it is. Okay. Ergo, ergotamine, E-R-G-O-T-A-M-I-N-E. It's a vasoconstrictor. Is that what you were just saying? Um, the one said causes direct smooth muscle, smooth muscle contraction. So, yeah, that would be the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's derived from the ergot fungus. Um, so, I don't know if maybe this, like that eco lab with the four thieves vinegar, if you could like synthesize something like that. Oh, Yeah. I don't know, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, we'd have to. <laughs> you know, we should write that down. I'll have to highlight it because I do have it written down, but obviously <laughs> it took me forever to find it. Um, so then I, so I, came, yeah, I came across this article that talks about 14 different kinds of headaches. And I guess if you just asked me like how many types there are, I probably wouldn't have guessed that many. And so it was kind of interesting. And I was like, oh, surely you won't need to talk about all of them. And like there are a couple that are kind of silly that there are on the list, you know, but um, I mean, I actually probably have something I could say about all of these, so I'm just going to kind of touch on them briefly, because, like I said before, it's kind of, you know, like with anything, you want to know what the problem actually is before you can treat it properly, so this might help, you know, you, the listener, to decide which route you go with um, what treatment. Um, so the the first one it talks about is tension headaches, and these are actually the most common types of headaches. And I'm sure everybody has experienced this at one time or another. But it's um, you get tight muscles in your shoulder, neck, your scalp, and jaw. Um, and it's typically related to stress and depression and anxiety. Um, I definitely know that I tend to carry stress in my shoulders and in my jaw, and I definitely catch myself clenching my jaw a lot and kind of have to remind myself every now and then, you know, to relax the jaw, you know, relax the shoulders and everything. Um, but it's a dull, non-throbbing, constant pain, often on both sides of the head. Um, and they aren't usually associated with nausea or vomiting, um, which isn't very good indicator because not all migraines necessarily come along with nausea and vomiting, but, um, I said these are pretty common. It's a good chance, probably what most people experience day to day. Um, the second one is cluster headaches. And I'd heard of these before. Um, I didn't really know too much about them, but they occur in groups or cycles. 
and they can last one to three hours. And then you could go a period of, you know, days, months to years without another cluster. But I guess they're pretty severe. And um, I guess it's most common. I think this one's most common in, yeah, in men. And sometimes it's a, it's a, they appear suddenly with severe pain, usually on one side of the head or the other. And it's obvious runny nose or nasal decongestion on that side of the face. Um, and it's, they're thought to be related to a sudden release of histamine or serotonin. Um, and triggers are often alcohol, cigarettes, um, high altitude in certain foods. Um, and I didn't write it down, but because the, the treatment for uh, the cluster headaches, it was like something to do with oxygen, just like an oxygen treatment, you know, and it's not something that sounds like most people just have around. But I didn't really want to focus on. Well, these I mean, anyway. like nowadays, lots of people have those what oxygen in a can things. It reminds me of uh, oh that movie, The Lorax, where they're selling oh, canned air. Oh yeah. But yeah, they think, sell that now. Do you oxygen think most in a people can. have that? I guess if you had cluster oh. headaches, it'd be pretty easy to go find it. But yeah, I, know I don't know people, that most people have it. I just know that it's available. <laughs> well, I know people use those for after like a hangover and stuff too, which oh really? You know, yeah, I think so. It's supposed to, like, yeah, uh, doing the oxygen is supposed to help clear headache. Um, yeah, hangovers, which makes sense because a lot of times, you know, hangovers are associated with headaches. Oh, yeah. Um, so the next one is sinus headaches, and this is indicated by pain in the nasal area and typically increases throughout the day. Um, it's caused by an infection, and it's the most overdiagnosed. Um, headache type, um, but it, you'll know that you have a sinus infection, like a true uh, true sinus headache, if your nasal discharge is green or tinged red. And these typically need antibiotics and antihistamines, rest, and you can you know treat the symptoms, um, but they'll typically go away. Okay, so this next one I thought was kind of interesting, and it's rebound headaches. And this is from the overuse of medications like aspirin, acetaminophen, and ibuprofen. And I guess this makes sense to me also, but I definitely know that in that period when I was going to see their neurologist and I mean, literally almost having a headache every day. Um, so I was at that time taking, you know, like Excedrin or Tylenol or something almost every day and sometimes multiple times a day. And, you know, now looking back, probably could have been contributing to that also you know just that vicious cycle what causes headaches and what you're doing to treat them just makes it worse okay so then the next one is um migraine headaches and so i'm going to tell you what this article had to say about them um it's three times as common in women than men to get migraines um and it did say that genes appear to play a role. And like I said, I know my mom and my dad were frequent migraine havers. Um, and then it's, I guess, I don't think they've really found, they can't really pinpoint anything that actually causes these. You know, it's kind of different for everybody. But if you have at least five previous episodes of the same type of headaches, then that's typically classified as a migraine headaches that last between four and 72 hours 
and you know like your friend and my mom are definitely down for you know days um so it's probably most likely a migraine if it's extended more than a typical headache um, and then having at least two to four of these features, and that's one-sided pain, throbbing pain, moderate to severe pain, pain that interferes and is worsened by or prohibits routine activity. And I think that's kind of general, you know, but like I said, I feel like more people are having migraines today than, you know, in the past Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's understandable because of all of the additional stress that people undergo, like just in the last couple of years. Yeah. And that's kind of what it seemed like everybody's attributing the increase in migraines to is just that stress and anxiety, you know, which makes it worse and that, you know, doesn't help you sleep any better or sleep worse from the stress and anxiety. So then you get headaches and then it's just, like I said, it's just a vicious cycle. Um, And it also says that having at least one of either nausea and vomiting or sensitivity to light and sound. And if you ever had a migraine, you know, sensitivity to light and sound is definitely a big one. I know I've had to, you know, lay in my bed with a blanket over me, totally silent and dark, you know, and that is effective. I feel like, you know, if you can allow yourself to relax and that's a, you know, a good place to start if you're having one. Um, and some people get like a, like an aura or numbness in the hand and the aura is just kind of like, like a visual kind of like disturbance. I don't really get that. So I couldn't really describe it more than how I've heard other, heard other people describe it, but it sounds like some people can get these like two days before they'll actually get the migraine. Um, And then a common trigger for migraines is changes in the body. Um, That includes hormones, stress, and sleeping patterns. And so this was also kind of like really important when I found out that the hormone, how how much of an importance that hormones played into migraines. Um, Because I've, I had always suspected that I've had hormone imbalances for like a really long time, but getting a doctor or finding a doctor that would actually like check your levels at somebody my age, you know, it's, you know, it's not menopause or anything. It was really difficult and kind of expensive, you know, but after trying, Oh, cause that was a big thing also was with getting off the migraine meds that I took was that they helped the Topamax helped and it started getting less effective towards when I started or stopped, but neither of them helped in that period of time, right before my period, you know, where hormones fluctuated heavily. And that's kind of when I started putting pieces together and realizing that I think I probably have, you know, a hormone problem, which is leading to the migraines. And so then I started addressing the hormone problem you know, with herbs initially and, you know, started trying out herbal medications for migraines, you know, simultaneously. And I mean, it's been amazing. I, I'll get headaches every now and then and, you know, maybe a migraine every now and then. It still happens if, you know, maybe I was out doing something I shouldn't have or not necessarily be dehydrated or something, you know. And, um, I don't know. I'm just so 
grateful that herbs are out there to help treat some of these problems. Right, um, and and that you you took charge there and went in and had your hormones investigated because that's I mean for real that's something that especially younger women deal with a lot is like hormone issues and like we've said before that you go see a doctor for issues that you're having with you know maybe it's anxiety and depression maybe it's you know your migraines maybe it's you know something else entirely but it could be related to hormones and they don't even think to look there exactly and you know i feel like the problem is with so many other things you know they doctors they don't investigate to find the root cause of the problem so it's almost like and it should be yeah but you know it it should be and i'm learning that slowly but we just have so much faith in other people to fix our problems you know and i mean it literally took not long searching on the internet to like be like yeah this it's definitely hormones causing which makes you wonder why in the world the person you paid money to to fix your problem couldn't do like a a quick Google search and come back with the answer instead of just throwing pills at you. But oh my gosh, I know it's insane. <laughs> it's yeah, it's maddening. Um, and the other, the, the rest of these on the list, I'll kind of go through pretty quickly. Um, I'll maybe touch a little bit more on one of them, but it's kind of maybe things that I wouldn't necessarily have thought of off the top of my head, but maybe good to realize if you've done some of these things, you know, that maybe what's causing your headache. Um, but the next one is dental headaches. And this is if you like grind or clench your teeth at night or even during the day. And most often you don't realize it. Um, but I, I, I said, I do this too. Like I said, I, I tend to clench my, my teeth even during the day. And I do sometimes, like I said, I do sometimes realize it. So I'm able to stop. Um, but you know, if you're getting these headaches, maybe think, you know, am I, clenching my teeth or waking up with, you know, a sore jaw. Um, But another one that it talks about that contributes to dental headaches is uh, TMJ. And I thought this was interesting too. And so TMJ is like a painful clicking or popping of the joint, like in your jaw and abnormal motion of the joint um, and disorders of the bite. So when I was in ninth grade, and I'd gotten my braces off and I'd had braces for a really long time because my teeth were all jacked up. Um, but I got my braces off and I had to go to soccer practice that day. And by the end of soccer practice, my jaw was locked shut. And um, I was like, what the fuck? You know, so we went back to the orthodontist and he had to like unhook my jaw and so what he said was that little piece of cartilage that rides on the top of your jawbone and, you know, like under your cheekbone, that it was getting stuck in front of my jawbone. So it was like, you know, getting stuck. And so it's like, eventually it'll just, the cartilage will just wear away and you're left with scar tissue. So for like years after that, like, yeah, my mouth would totally click hard or sometimes I'd have to like unlock my jaw myself until it just got... <laughs> To the point where it was scar tissue is weird. Oh my goodness. Well, maybe that contributes some to your migraines now too. Seriously, like I said, I can identify with like almost any of these, but I feel like a lot of people could too. So it's you're just things that are kind of helping you. I mean, there's nothing to do about that. And maybe I did when I was younger, but like that's not really an issue anymore unless there's some lingering effect from it. Um, 
but like the next one is caffeine headaches, you know, caffeine withdrawal. I mean, obviously, you know, so many people in myself included, you know, drink, I know I drink way too much caffeine. So a lot of times, like on the weekend, you sleep in, you know, or don't drink as much. I don't drink as much caffeine on the weekends. And I do notice I get headaches, you know, on weekends more. And uh, I mean, that's basically a lifestyle change to stop that. (laughs) Um, This next one's funny. um, And I never heard of this, but it's orgasm headaches caused by orgasm. I mean, it makes sense. You think? Makes sense, yeah, because of, uh, well, one, increased blood flow and two, the dilation of your blood vessels. So the one you were talking about, the ergot, Uh is a vasoconstrictor and a lot Mm -hmm. of the ones that well the herbs that we'll talk about have similar properties with regards to the the smooth muscle so when you have orgasm your blood vessels tend to dilate and that's where you'll get like you you could get like that throbbing intense headache afterwards okay it does say it's more rare and more common in young men (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and the next one's kind of vague. It's early morning headaches, and it's not even necessarily like a kind of headache, but it's saying that migraines are more likely to happen in the morning, or like if you take your meds at night, or you know the next morning, and you're ready for your next dose by the morning, that you know that could be causing a headache. Um, but it did say waking up consistently in the morning with headaches could be a symptom of a brain tumor. I almost didn't mention that though, because it seems kind of like fear promoting or whatever i'm sure right well you know i could find it yeah i could find an article anywhere that says any one of my symptoms is a symptom of a brain tumor so right exactly so you know take that for what you will um the next one's ice cream headache and the interesting (laughs) thing about that you know that's brain freezes but did you know that it actually has a name for it i did not All right, dropping some good trivia knowledge here on you guys. A brain freeze is called spinopalatine ganglioneuralgia. Nice. Yeah, I know. I think I said that pretty good. (laughs) Um, Okay, so the next one is chronic daily headaches. And that's, again, it's um, not necessarily like a kind of headache but an association or kind of a way to characterize it. You know, if you do go see your doctor about it, you should, you know, should be able to kind of distinguish one between the other. But I definitely say that I was having, you know, chronic daily headaches. Um, that's 15 days a month for more than three months. And it says may evolve from migraine or episodic tension type headaches or the medication overuse. And yeah, I think I, I think I identify with that. I'm just getting, like I said, it was getting out of control. Um, and I'll say the I'll save the menstrual headache one for last. I know we kind of talked about it, but then there's weekend headaches, which I kind of mentioned too, like oversleeping, maybe not getting your caffeine in time, be a little grouchy in the morning, you know, before that happens. Too much stress during the week, um, and then so the last one I listed it was titled emergency headaches, and I thought it was gonna say like. Um, you know, the sudden onset of stressful situation, you know, brings on a headache. But it's actually, if you get any of these kind of symptoms, uh, you should see a doctor. And that's a sudden onset explosive type of headache, because that could be an aneurysm. If it comes with a fever or severe increase in blood pressure, 
after a blow to the head or, um, oh man, I can't read my handwriting after a blow to the head. And uh, if you have like vision or speech change and I mean, yeah, she should go see your doctor. Something like that happens. Um, but so yeah, the, the menstrual headaches and I don't know this, I mean, I have no evidence to back this up, but with all the Corona, um, stuff going around and definitely heard stories of women with abnormal periods and, you know, probably all kinds of hormonal changes. Um, I don't know, maybe they made it's a contributing factor too, but I know I mentioned that like the menstrual headaches was definitely the most problematic or that time, like they were definitely worse. And it's due to a sudden drop in estrogen right before your period um, that can trigger a migraine. And that's usually about three days before to two days after you start your period. And I guess like 60% of women who experience migraine attacks will also experience menstrual headaches. And the oral contraceptives affect your estrogen. So people on oral contraceptives might experience them more frequently and then um, it also says that. Oh, yeah, but, you know, just go take birth control. If yeah, you don't right? want to have children, just go take birth control and get frequent migraines. Oh, my gosh. I know. So I was started on birth control at a pretty young age, like for my very first one on. And sorry, guys, my TMI, you know, <laughs> but they were like really bad, like so bad. Like I it would make me sick and I would have to. Like, the first time we went golfing for like Father's Day and I had to like sit in the car and I was just screaming. Like it was just the most painful thing like ever felt. And it was consistent from then on to the point where, you know, I saw somebody and they never checked it out. You know, my grandma had endometriosis and things like that. And I was just, the answer was, no, I was just going birth control. And we didn't for a while, but eventually, you know, it probably started at younger age than a lot of people did and i mean that'll screw up your hormones anyway just starting something like that at a young age messing with that shit you know yeah and not like not to mention the other things that it does to your your body and your reproductive system like we don't even know we don't even know the extent of how like starting young women or young girls on um, birth control affects their reproductive system. Like we've got so many women nowadays with PCOS mm-hmm. and most of them started birth control at a young age and I, if they're correlated. I can't say that one caused the other. I don't know. They haven't done any extensive su- studies on the subject, but yeah, it's possible. So if any of our listeners are suffering through any of these kind of headaches, there is hope. You don't need to take any of that garbage um, the first, and I'll let Rosin talk about the properties there, but for me personally, I found relief through Feverview, and um, that's used as a preventative. Um, I make a blend with a couple other herbs like white willow bark and turmeric and California poppy um, and ginger, um, to, and I take it every day, and I do feel like that plays a huge role in my lack of migraines recently on Sometimes on weekends I forget or there are certain herbs that I take that, you know, it's recommended to take a break from for a little bit. So maybe I'll forget to take some of my other ones. And I definitely notice that I'll get, you know, a headache on those days. Not necessarily as bad as they used to be. Um, But it was one of the first experiences with herbs where I just felt like 
you know, such relief and hope, you know, that I could heal myself and some of my other problems using plant medicine and not relying on the doctor. And so I guess I'll turn it over to you and you can talk about some of the um, properties about some of these magical herbs and why they work. Absolutely. And then one thing I wanted to say real quick before I move into the herbs is that migraines are one of those things that it's possible to also treat with dietary changes. And I know you mentioned it already, but I want to reiterate it because yeah, that's good. I know yeah. it's hard to make those changes, but mm-hmm. if you're talking about the going on a medication where you have diarrhea every day for 30 days or like changing up what you eat on the daily, it might be a better idea to try to change up what you eat on the daily. Um, yeah. Like if those are your options right now. So yeah. Like I try to do. stick with like fresh fruits and vegetables. Um, and then if you're going to you, you, I mean, eat meats too. Yeah. But don't eat like the processed sugars mm-hmm. and the eat whole grains, not the, you know, white bleached white flour in the garbage that you can buy cheaply. Like exactly. try to try to stick with the foods that are good for you. And then maybe that will help your migraines before you go on prescription drugs. Right. Um, but the, the first one that you mentioned there was feverfew and it's got a medicinal compound in it called parthenolide, which is a polar compound and water is polar and alcohol is polar. So you can make a tincture of feverfew or a tea of feverfew. Um, parthenolide acts in a way that it relieves the spasms, spasms of smooth muscle tissue. Um, so that's, one of the reasons why it's helpful for treating migraines, just like the the ergot one that you mentioned earlier. And then parthenolide is found in highest concentrations in the flowers of feverfew. So if you're looking for the most bang for your buck there, uh, tincture flowers, if you, if that's what you, if you can get just flowers, if you've got access to it, I mean, otherwise, you know, use the whole plant. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is white willow bark, which has salicin in it. Uh, salicin is also a polar compound, so you can make a tincture or a tea. And you may not know this, another bit of trivia for you. Um, it was the original source of aspirin. Again, fuck big pharma. And they're stealing yeah. all of this shit from nature and then patenting it and turning it around and selling it to you for a dollar. I know. Yeah. So many examples. (laughs) (laughs) So you can actually make a powder out of the bark and then um, make capsules if you wanted and make your own aspirin that way. I know uh, there's a guy we ran into at the farmer's market the other day who does that. Or he said he'll like if if he gets injured out on his tractor, he'll go pull down a willow branch and chew on it. So. Yeah, I've been trying to plant some willows around here. I just love willows anyway. They're like my They're favorite pretty. tree. They're <laughs> so pretty. Mm-hmm. They make me happy. Um, next, we have ginger. And I couldn't find like an, a medicinal compound in ginger that's responsible for helping migraines. But it's um, possible that ginger increases the levels of serotonin which can act as a chemical messenger during migraine attacks and reduce inflammation. Um, So those, the blood vessels that you've got getting all inflamed and causing the throbbing in your head would be um, reduced or constricted down by the serotonin when you eat or drink or, you know, chew on ginger. Yeah. I 
came across something I didn't write it down about how it actually does help with uh, headaches and it wasn't yeah in the typical way I think that some of the other herbs do right um, it's got some kind of roundabout thing but it also does I mean maybe more for migraines because it has the antiemetic qualities oh you know? yeah and so a lot of times if you do experience the nausea or vomiting with the headache it can definitely relieve that and I know for me like that's like one of the most annoying uh, effects of having a migraine. I just don't deal with nausea very well. <laughs> right. Yeah. And if you deal with nausea during your migraine, you can go back and listen to our uh, upset stomach episode because we got yes. lots of helpful stuff in there for for nausea. Good plug. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to mention here too because there were two that I was looking into um, that were helpful just by smelling them. Mm-hmm. And that's peppermint and lavender. So you don't even have to ingest those in any way. Just smelling them is supposed yep. to help relieve migraines. Now, how that works, I have no clue. have no clue. I don't know. It's probably something to do with the, like, scent molecules and how they interact. And then probably something similar to the ginger releasing chemicals that, you know, fight with the um, receptors in your brain. Well, I heard that if you use like the peppermint oil with the carrier oil, pe- peppermint essential oil with the carrier oil and rub it on your temples and then, yeah, you kind of like huff the lavender essential oil for, <laughs> it said for 15 minutes. 15 so minutes. there's yeah, a time, 15 minutes. A magical time. Yeah, we must read the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, that it's, I mean, I imagine it has. Yeah, calming effects even just on the senses, you know, and if it is like a tension headache, then just getting yourself to kind of relax. Relax is for a helpful. minute, yeah. Yeah, yeah and I'm, you know, like if you've got a tension headache or your migraines caused from like chronic, chronic stress and anxiety, one of either one of those, like taking 15 minutes to just breathe in some essential oil is going to calm you down. Mm-hmm. I just um, realized too that I can't believe it didn't, like what do you call them? Pressure headaches wasn't included in that list. You know, when like the weather's about to change. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the barometric pressure. Yeah, I know. My husband gets. Um, <laughs> I don't. There's a, lot a of storm of brewing. <laughs> yeah, feel it in my knee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but anyway, sorry. I was just just realizing that. <laughs> You're fine. Um, the one that intrigued me the most in doing research for this was the rosemary because it, it contains rosmarinic acid, another one named after the herb itself, which is an, an anti-inflammatory in addition to an antimicrobial. Um, it's also a polar compound, so you can make it tincture or a tea. Um, and the effects of rosemary on the nervous system are actually like so extensive that they say that there's probably other ways in addition to, um, the anti-spasmodic way. So it, it does something similar in like, it helps your blood vessels constrict. And, um, a lot of the issues people have with migraines are actually related to blood pressure. Um, like if you have high stress, high anxiety, and then lack of sleep, those can all cause your blood pressure to go up. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you have that, it's harder for your, the veins in, in your brain and the rest of your body to constrict. And so the rosemarinic acid helps with that. In addition to the others, like a lot of them act in the same way, which is, is neat to me. Um, I love rosemary. It's you guys, it's so awesome. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And then there, like the, 
the number of ways that it helps with migraines, they don't even know all of them because it has so many great healing effects on your nervous system itself. Well, it helps with memory also. I almost wonder it just yeah, I just just like <laughs> clears out all your brain, you know, so it's just able to function properly, you know. Shit, like it's a mechanic better. for your brain. Yeah. You send in that rosemary oil and it's going to like or rosemarynic acid, it's going to like find all of the spots where you need Scrub to work. Scrub all your neurons. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I don't I don't know, like that's a good one. Um, and it's one that a lot of people probably have like in your pantry or whatever, mm-hmm. and you could just make a little tea out of it or a tincture and take some and go on about your day while it heals your nervous system. Mm-hmm. Um, we could do a whole episode on rosemary on rosemary for yeah. your hair and like, oh my gosh, there's so many it's antimicrobial, antifungal, mm-hmm. antibacterial. So like a lot of topical, um, uses for rosemary i was gonna make a salve out of it but then i'm like i'm gonna walk around smelling like spaghetti sauce and people are gonna get hungry (laughs) yeah i don't know i like the smell of rosemary i do too i love it i was gonna do one with rosemary and oregano because both of those have fantastic and you definitely smell like a spaghetti dinner yeah (laughs) (laughs) um next wood betony Uh, Mm -hmm. It's believed to relieve headaches by lowering blood pressure and is also anti-inflammatory. Ginkgo biloba contains ginkolide B, which is a natural antiplatelet activating factor. So platelet activating factors are pro-inflammatory, so they're going to cause those blood vessels to um, expand. um, And then the ginkolide B inhibits that. So it doesn't allow that platelet activating factor, which are released during migraines. It doesn't allow those to um, act on your blood vessels. Awesome. It also, I found something that says it also modulates glutamate acid, which is um, the main excitory neurotransmitter of the central nervous system. So if you're wanting to like, it's basically got like a sedative effect on your central nervous system in layman's terms. Awesome. Ginkgo is definitely one of those plants that I felt drawn to. Like when I first started and was reading that book, you know, it was super woo woo. It's kind of, you know, like, you know, make sure you sit with the plant you're about to harvest for 15 minutes, <laughs> you know, and thank it and get to know it, you it's know. Roots. And, yeah. <laughs> and, um, but, uh, oh shit, what was I saying? Ginkgo, you were drawn to it. Oh, yeah. But it's like, you know, for people starting out, just kind of like, if you feel an inclination, you know, towards it, that it might mean that it's something that you need. And honestly, I feel like that's been the case with a lot of things or or just that like plants that I need show up, you know, just in my life. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You're just walking around and you're like, what's that? And then boom, it's something you needed. Uh Uh-huh. That's happened to me more than once. Yeah. Um, And the last one I'm going to mention here is the California poppy. And the California poppy contains alkaloids that are analgesic. So um, I don't know if any of you guys have heard of Kratom, but it's similar to that. Like the California poppy has, um, like Kratom has alkaloids that are analgesic. California poppy has alkaloids that are analgesic. So that's why it helps with pain or head pain. Kratom is awesome. We should definitely do an do episode, on, episode that. on that. Because, <laughs> I mean, it, that literally has saved my life. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it has saved lots of people's lives. Like, you don't even know 
the yeah. number of people who've been addicted to opiates and then like been able to wean themselves off with that. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely talk about that a lot, but yeah, that's a great list. Um, I know I had mentioned, and I actually hadn't really heard too much about it until I kind of started looking into this and I was kind of surprised, but I know that Butterbur was one that a few places were touting. I don't know if you looked into that one. Let me see. I I might have missed it on my list here, but now I remember reading it. Yeah, no, I didn't write it down at all, but I Googled it because it's here in my search history. (laughs) It says it helps reduce frequency. Let's see. An effective prophylaxis for migraines. Yeah, that's what I remember reading, too. Um. Let's see. It looks like they've been able to identify the mechanism, too. I've got a study here pulled up. Oh, pediatric migraines. Oh, yeah? Yeah, butterbur may also be potentially effective in treating Alzheimer's disease due due to its neuroprotective effects. So butterbur and rosemary, the migraine, or send them into your central nervous system there. Awesome. Yeah, I think I'm going to do more research onto that one. Yeah, me too. I might share this. Do you want me to send you this? Yeah. Okay. Sure. And then we can share it when we release our episode here. All right. Um, and then another one that I just thought of that I was going to mention was the yarrow. Oh, yeah. Yes. Because that's also, um, it can also act as an anti-inflammatory, which is good for treating the migraines like many of the other ones on here. Mm-hmm. Um and I know it grows like weeds around here. Might have yet to flower. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know why. Just too hot or something like they probably put up this. Might spot. have already gone to seed. Yeah. That's okay. I still like the foliage and everything. Oh yeah, oh, they have pretty real pretty leaves. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when I only have like a couple of one plant, I'm like apprehensive to harvest anything from it because I just like the plant, you know, and I'm afraid yeah. to kill it. <laughs> I know. I found, I replanted some St. John's wort that I found out here by the yarrow, but I only have like four stalks of it. And I'm like, grow, babies, grow. Mm-hmm. I know. It's like, okay, once it gets so big, I can make more of you. you just got to last <laughs> that long. <laughs> right. So, I don't know if anything else you wanted to add. Like we um, covered a lot of it. Yeah, no. Like if you guys have suffer with migraines and you're interested in um, some herbal remedies or whatever, feel free to reach out to us. I'm on Twitter at Mother of Chaos X A O S, and I am at E underscore Agorist on Twitter. And we are. If you want to follow the show, we are at Let's Make Some S H H, and keep making shit. Thank you.